You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend, Gil Martin. He's a writer for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Send us your questions, uh, email, text. Email is uh, asknohuddle at gmail.com. Text 231-714-4195. Message us on Twitter uh, if you want. Uh, if you want an old person answer, you can message Gil at Gil Packers. If you want a um, handsome, young, strapping lad answer, I'm at JJ Leahy L A H E Y. We did get a listener question um, that I think is going to be kind of uh, fun to chat about. Uh, there's also some coaching news. And I think uh, let's we'll lead off with this question from Ben because it gives us an opportunity to talk about some of the coaching stuff. Ben Johnson writes in, uh, "Hey JJ and Gill, first thanks for your weekly podcast on Packers Talk. I enjoy your thought provoking analysis on the Packers. I have a question on special teams with the hiring of Rich Basaccia as special teams coordinator and newly hired assistant special teams coach, former Raiders coach Byron Storer." And the element of Raina Stewart from previous special teams coaching staff. Are you seeing these assistants as a complete staff? Is Raina Stewart a keeper? And where do you see the special teams of evolving? Uh, so Byron Storer and then the other guy that was hired on, th- or I guess that we, we heard of the rumor is hiring on Thursday, seems to be bringing back Tom Clements. Uh, Gil, talk to us about Tom Clements. Tom Clements. Well, look, when I heard this news, to me, this immediately said to me that the Packers are doing everything they can to try to make sure Aaron Rodgers returns. Uh, You know, Clements was with the Packers uh, starting in 2006 as their quarterback's coach. Now, uh, that was Aaron Rodgers' second season with the Packers. Second season, he was behind Brett Favre. Uh, He stayed as quarterback's coach through 2011, which was, of course, Rodgers' greatest season statistically, became the offensive coordinator in 2012, then became the assistant head coach for the Packers in 2015 and 2016. So, you know, here's a guy that Rodgers is familiar with where, you know, he played some of his best football under Clements or when Clements was coaching him. And I think that, you know, this is just another one of those small moves that show that the Packers front office is doing everything they can to persuade Aaron Rodgers to return to Green Bay. All right. Apologies. We had a little tech issue. Now we straightened it out. Got Gil's mic working. Okay. All right. So, Gil, uh, here's the question. Um, what is the motivation for bringing back Clements right now? So he's, you know, he's, uh, he, he left the Packers in 2016, didn't coach anywhere, at least in the NFL for the next three years, came back, um, and he, uh, coached a rookie Kyler Murray in 2019 and 2020, and then retired one year ago mm-hmm. now he's going back out of retirement to coach for the Packers hasn't been here in let's see 2016 was six years ago now right. so that's that's a I guess really five years at the end of 2016 five years he's been gone so the, the, there's different angles that you can look at as to what the motivation was obviously the massive Aaron Rodgers ties is this a, a situation where they are trying to get Rodgers to come back? Is it a situation where where Rodgers was involved in the process of selecting a new quarterback coach 
and wanted to be reunited with Clements, and that's why they're bringing him back. Or there's a couple other options out there that are not really Rogers angles, which are number one. He he knew that the Packers had an opening for quarterback coach and wanted to be back. And he went ahead and, and reached out and LaFleur really liked him after interviewing him. That's an option. Uh, the other option that's out there that seems the least likely to me would be what if uh, LaFleur was casting his net for his uh, quarterback coach ends up interviewing Clements and the fact that he's been here before and has worked with Rogers is a complete coincidence, even though, I mean, he's coming out of retirement to me, that seems like the least likely option, but I, I, I guess I just don't love the idea that, that he's like this year's Randall Cobb, you know, <laughs> uh, uh I'm still going with that as my, if you gave me, you know, if you gave me a large sum of money and said, the only thing you could do with this money is bet on why they're bringing Clemens back. Yeah. That that would be where I'd place the money. Uh, now, obviously, the, you know, one positive in this situation is that when Clemens was here as quarterback coach, uh, offensive coordinator, assistant head coach, we always had really quality quarterback production. Mm-hmm. Think about guys like Matt Flynn, uh, guys who a lot of the time uh, played ab- above their ability when they were in Green Bay. And um, since he's been gone, I'm struggling to think of anybody who's been that special, you know. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, folks who loved Tim Boyle, not really anybody who loved Deshaun Kaiser, probably. (laughs) Uh, And and Jordan Love, I I think we could you can pretty safely say Jordan Love has not shown the development that you would have hoped he would have shown after two years of working under Luke Getze since being drafted. I, I think. I think whether you're pro or anti Jordan Love, you can still safely say you would have liked to have seen more from him in his development up to this point. Yeah. I I think that's a pretty safe bet that even his biggest supporters would say they wish that he would have done a little bit more. So and and you know, Kyler Murray was not great his rookie season, but his second year in the league, he was pretty decent. I Comparing his PFF grades uh, in 2020 and 2021, which, you know, 2021, there was a for, for a long time. He was the front runner in the MVP conversation till about Had week a, eight. Yeah. Well, yeah, the first half of the season, he was felt white hot. And then the second half was certainly a slump, Um, you know, but but I, I think if you were to try and make the case that. He was mediocre until Clements left and then he broke out. I don't think that that case really holds up. I think that I think 2021 feels like a very natural continuation of the path he was already on in 2020. I think that uh, Tom Clements seems to have done a a pretty good job. Now, granted, he was working with a number one overall pick in the in Kyler Murray. So you'd hope that Kyler would turn out well, Uh, but that's not a guarantee, obviously. Um, but I, I guess it does give me a little bit of optimism for him working with love. Yeah. I mean, look, if, if Rogers comes back, you know, there's already that relationship. If Rogers doesn't come back, then he's already worked with a young quarterback like Kyler Murray. Even when he worked with Rogers, you go back to the beginning of that relationship and you know, that was Rogers second season backing up. Brett Favre, a lot of people, if you go back and read the, if there was the same social media back then, or if you go back and read the media clippings and everything else, were questioning whether or not Aaron Rodgers at that time was ever going to develop into anything. So, you know, he'd certainly brought out or helped bring out uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and, and sped up his development because Look, by 2008, when Rodgers took over as the starter, yeah, the Packers didn't have a winning record, but Rodgers threw for more than 4,000 yards, and you knew 
by the end of that season that he had something that was going to make him a quality uh, NFL starting quarterback and probably even a darn good starting NFL quarterback. So, I mean, the track record is certainly there. The relationship is there. The ability and experience of developing young quarterbacks when you talk about love or if Rodgers is traded and they bring in another young quarterback, you know, you can go down that route. So I, I think you're covering a lot of bases by this hiring. Give me a letter grade for this hiring. Uh, B plus. I was, I was going with a, probably a, a, a B minus, but I could really be talked into a B plus. I, I think I don't love that it's a, a retread hire. Uh, but as far as retread hires go, I mean, who out there would you say would be more qualified? You could look at, uh, Josh Allen's, uh, quarterback coach, uh, who's not even the quarterback coach in, in Buffalo anymore. You know, maybe, uh, Cincinnati's quarterback coach, although, uh, Zach head coach, Zach Taylor was a head coach or a quarterback coach for the Rams. So you have to imagine that he is uh, heavily involved in coaching up Joe Burrow. Uh, obviously we saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes quarterback coach when he went and became the uh, head coach of the Chicago bears for a few years and how that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I guess I it's I just have a hard time loving it at the moment. Um but I, I think they could have done a lot worse. And I, I do like that it it's not just a body. It's not just a manager to be in there uh running whatever uh Matt LaFleur wants run with the quarterbacks. You are bringing in a guy who actually knows quarterbacks because I you know I had a little bit of concern uh at the beginning of this offseason about how they would fill some of the vacancies and I think overall looking at where the new hires have come in I'm mostly okay with them uh I, I like retaining um uh Jason Vrabel almost mm-hmm. almost called him Mike Vrabel yeah. I like retaining Jason Vrabel I think Luke Butkus to offensive line coach was the move that we talked about, honestly, for an entire year. Right. We thought there was a chance that maybe Hackett would get uh, the head coaching job uh, with the Jaguars last year. I I know he was uh, interviewed for the Falcons vacancy a year ago. That was something we talked about. So even back then, we were pro the idea of Luke Butkus taking over an offensive line coach. And our new tight ends coach, John Dunn, we talked about that last week. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. Uh, I like that hire. Connor Lewis getting promoted from a, a basically a quality control assistant to assistant uh, quarterback coach. I just was a little bit on pins and needles that like <laughs> they wouldn't hire an actual quarterback coach from outside to come in and coach up that position. And and they have done that. And I, I well, this so, is one of the best of both worlds. It's sort of an, a retread internal, but it's really also an external. So you got a little bit of both. I find it interesting that his only real ties are to Rogers. Nobody else on the coaching staff who was here in 2016 with Clements back then is bat is here right now um, outside of, uh, I, I think uh, like the strength and conditioning guys might right. have been there back then, but well, that was Mike McCarthy's staff. So obviously, you know, that... but, but that's my point is that Matt LaFleur doesn't know Clements. They've never worked together at any point. Now, the only thing you could, the, the only other connection is Clements is a Notre Dame guy and Matt LaFleur was at, Notre Dame for a while. Now they didn't ever work together at the same time, but they might have um, some mutual connections there. Right. Might've run into each other. So, you know, Clements was a quarterback at Notre Dame when he was a player. Uh, He, uh, he was an all American ended up winning the national championship. Then his first coaching job was quarterback coach at Notre Dame. 
And after that, he was, you know, really quickly made the leap to the NFL and has been there ever since. So the, the Notre Dame Matt LaFleur connection is the only other one I see there, but I, it sure seems like it was either, you know, a higher up like Mark Murphy saying, Hey, why don't we try and get Clemens back? Or it was a Rogers idea. I don't know, but we probably have talked this out enough, but it, it's an interesting hire. I think this was the last domino we were waiting for Ford to fall in place. As far as the coaching staff goes, we have our new assistant special teams coach, Byron Storer, who worked with Asatia in Vegas. I almost said Oakland. Uh, <laughs> you did say Oakland when we were when yes. we were talking our notes. Um, and uh, as for Raina Stewart, I, I don't think he's going to stick around because I don't see any vacancies. I don't think they're going to keep three special teams coaches. I don't see any other vacancies anywhere else. So the, the question is, if you're going to demote him back to being an analyst, I doubt he wants to do that. No. I think I think uh, the only question is, is. Uh, is there any interest elsewhere in the league for him, given how the reputation of the Packers special teams when he was working with them has been? has been well uh yeah but 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 the Packers were also not his first stop he was with the Titans a few years ago yeah and then you know there's always the chance that the assistant special teams coach can become the head you know special teams coordinator somewhere else next year there's a lot of possibilities uh and and maybe he is only in Green Bay for a year and then moves on to you know get a promotion that's the way assistant coaches tend to work and in my mind you know you see what he can offer, and and if he's that good, you try to retain him. And if he's not, you know, no, you, no, I'm I'm talking about Raina Stewart, uh, right. who's, Who was was with us under Mo Drayton. Yes, I know, but you know he's moving are, up. Are, but but are are you, are you suggesting keeping two assistant special teams coaches under Basaccia? In the long run, no, but in the short run, maybe. Uh, or you reassign him. I mean, there are different different possibilities. Uh, he is still listed on the Packers website as an assistant special teams coach, and they have already updated with Byron Storer, uh, on there. So they're both listed as assistant special teams coaches. I think here, here's, um, here's something I want to talk about in, in answer to, uh, Ben's question is the process of fixing up special teams. I think, uh, one of the one of the really crucial elements here is improving the preparation for these guys. Obviously, the the knee jerk reaction or knee jerk idea that you have is that you want to bring in better talent for special teams, but I just don't know that that is really something that is going to happen because the outside of maybe having a dedicated returner, the Packers don't really keep special teams guys unless they can contribute on offense or defense as well. well. And, and and even even with dedicated returners, the Packers have seemed really quick to want to move on from guys who don't have a role on offense or defense. They You only get 53 roster spots, and Goody really seems to value each and every one of those. I mean, I, I look at how quickly he moved on from uh, Trevor Davis and um, oh, what, uh, Tyler Irvin. Well, who were who were really quality returners. They were. Tyler Irvin was never healthy, though. Uh, that was an issue. And I, I think with Trevor Davis, I think he felt he had some alternatives and that we had so many wide receivers at that point that, you know, he could get something for him. And so he did. But. Look, the dedicated returner, I think, would be a step forward. But, you know, you see what the Packers have done. O.J. McDuffie did not play a snap on defense this year, exclusively saw action on special teams. I think at this point, we're pretty settled that Ty Summers is an emergency linebacker, you know, reserve linebacker only. He's going to be on special teams. What did you what did you call McDuffie? O.J.? Yeah. 
Isaiah. Isaiah. I'm sorry. Yeah, boy, that's a bad. Threw me for a loop for a second. I thought I thought you were going all old man on me and no, dragging no, out no. somebody I hadn't. No, no, that no, I couldn't but remember. McDuffie, uh, you know, did not play a snap on on defense this year, but did see action on special teams extensively. Yeah. Um, there are players who you know they're hoping to develop down the road into someone who can contribute on defense or on offense, but they are, while they're developing them, happy to allow them to get reps. I mean, how many reps did Shamar Jean Charles get on, uh, on defense this year? I think he played less than 50 plays, but he got, you know, he did see action on special teams. Now, two or three years down the road, are they hoping he can develop into a serviceable cornerback, whether it's as a, a, a starter, a nickel, a dime, whatever you want to say. Yeah. And, but they're willing to carry him and let him play special teams until that happens uh, and only put him in on defense if it's a blowout or if it's an emergency. Now, one, one other thing I want to just um, address before we move off the special teams topic is although, you know, we love the idea of bringing in more talented players for special teams. I think the more important thing is getting the guys that you do have to play better because we've seen some of the guys that we have uh, play well at times and then just not be consistent all the time. And, you know, I would point to, if you look at the last few times that units for the Packers have gotten better, uh, I'm, I'm going to highlight in 2020, uh, the Packers offense was miles ahead of where it was in 2019. Right. Who did they bring in that made the difference? Nobody. It was the guys that they had understanding the system, being better prepared um, and playing at a more consistent level, uh, especially Aaron Rodgers played a lot, uh, a lot better in 2020. Um, I look at, the defense in 2021, I mean, yeah, they brought in Devondre Campbell, and he was a great addition. Uh, yeah, they brought in Whitney Merciless. They brought in Rasul Douglas. No question, those three guys helped. But they are not the reason that all of a sudden Preston Smith played way better or Rashawn Gary took a massive step forward. Well, you had a new uh, defensive coordinator, though. Yeah, and we got a new special teams coordinator. Well, coordinator, but my who but was the, the assistant point special teams coordinator to the last guy who didn't do very well. So, oh no 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 no. I, I mean, this year we have a new right, special this special year, teams yes. coordinator. My my point being, the the personnel matters, but the the bigger needle mover was getting better production out of the guys that they did have. Uh, it's nice that you were able to bring in Eric Stokes. I think he's a substantial upgrade over Kevin King. But was Kevin King the reason down in and out that the Packers defense struggled in 2020? Absolutely not. Guys who should be playing at a a huge high level and being key foundational pieces of our defense were letting us down in 2020, including guys like Kenny Clark, uh, uh, Darnell Savage, guys who you, you don't think of them as guys who take plays off or guys who are going to get beat because they are really quality players. Well, in 2020, often the defense was failing and you'd look at where the defense started failing and it was your star players, your uh, Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn and Kenny in the NFC championship game against the Bucks. It's, it's about the way they're playing. It's about their preparation and uh, uh, adherence to the structure, their discipline. And I think that if you can get the kind of shift from the Packers special teams in 2022 that you saw from the Packers offense in 2020, their defense in 2021, it's going to be a massive boost to the production, whether or not you bring in other guys. If you can get the guys you have, to play disciplined football in a scheme that they understand where they're prepared, that is going to be the single biggest needle mover. I, I think there's merit to that. I, I, and I'll give an example that I think speaks volumes. 
the game-winning field goal in the playoff loss to San Francisco, special teams only had 10 guys out on the field. Now, would they have blocked the field goal if they had 11? Probably not. I don't think it would have necessarily made a difference. But for crying out loud, you've played 17 regular season games. This is your 18th game. If you're not organized enough on special teams to know which 11 guys have to take the field, I mean, how can you build after that? I mean, where do you go from there? So Exactly. uh, You know, to me, if you can even get competent organizational skills going, put players in the right position, teach them the right technique, you know, yeah, I, I think that could get us from 32nd on special teams to like 20th just by that alone. And, hey, and I'll, I'll take 20th. Yeah, exactly. Get me <laughs> close to the middle and I'll be happy. Uh, get me, get me close, get me into the lower teens and I'll be thrilled. But, you know, uh, but we so, can't be in the, in, you know, the high to 20s to low 30s again and again and again. So, Ben, we certainly appreciate the question. We are going to move on here because we're um, burning up a lot of time. Our our big topic we want to start talking about today, and we'll see how far we get. We're going to play general manager, and we're going to talk about what moves we think the Packers should make uh, moving forward uh, throughout this offseason. We're going to start focusing on defense first because we're expecting to hear – our uh, Aaron Rodgers news pretty soon. And so we're, we'll, we'll give that a little bit of time to percolate so we can find out what's going on with Rodgers before we touch on offense. The biggest issue, obviously, is the salary cap. We did a, a big episode uh, two weeks ago, um, breaking down all the salary cap terms and information and explaining it. Hope you caught that. If you didn't, uh, go back and listen to it. It was a good one. Uh, but the, the right now we have to clear, depending on how you look at it, anywhere from about 50 million to about $70 million of cap space. Is that all? Um, (laughs) if if you can believe it, right. (laughs) If you can believe one team in the league that actually has a worse salary cap situation than we do. And that's New Orleans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Ken Ingles, if you're not following him on Twitter, you need to be. He is the Packers salary cap guru. Does a fantastic job breaking it all down. He estimates that the Packers need to clear $70.3 million this offseason. <laughs> he breaks it down uh, by when they need um, to hit certain milestones. Uh, but the the short description is you need to clear about 52 million, uh, $52 million for the current players that you would have in your top 51. Um, and then you need to clear an additional, where is it? Uh, he's got $7 million for their exclusive rights, free agents, uh, if you were to do what he wants to do with Alan Zard, we'll touch on offense next week, but if you're going to do Alan Zard, it's another 4 million bucks. And then you have 9.5 million bucks that you have to clear up for the estimated cost of signing the Packers draft class for this year. Right. And then after all that, you also need about 5 million bucks for in-season acquisitions. Cause you can't just go into the season with no money. There's going to, you will have situations where you need to go find yourself a Rasul Douglas or two or three or Whitney merciless or yeah, exactly. You got to have a little bit of money in your piggy bank for that. Plus you also have to pay your practice squad. They actually do count against your salary cap. That's about three and a half million bucks. So add all that together. Ken Ingles comes up with 70.3. So that is the uh, biggest thing we have to do is free up that money. But we also have to move through a bunch of players on the Packers roster and make some decisions about who stays and who goes. And I guess, so we're doing defense today. Uh, You want to start with uh, the defensive line? 
Want to do that? I like the defensive yeah, line. Yeah, it's a good place to start. So looking at the guys that you're definitely not moving on from. Rashawn Gary clearly is staying. Kenny Clark clearly is staying. Um, outside of that, I guess I guess you have a lot of flexibility in how you proceed forward. The, the biggest questions here are Preston and Zedarius. Do you keep either one of them? Uh, here, uh, <clears throat> first of all, do, do well, wait you... a minute, wait a minute. Aren't, aren't we're starting with edge now? Because defensive line to me, you got Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry. Uh, so you want to do the interior guys? Yeah, well, the I, interior I, guys. Then you, well, then we could talk edge, and then we could talk inside linebackers. So you got Kenny, uh, you got Dean, and you have uh, TJ Slayton is obviously not going anywhere. Right, but he's we're on not going to talk about level deal. We're not going to talk about the about the rookies. Uh, you got Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry are the, are the two guys that you're really debating about. Correct. Correct. Uh, and then the question of do you go out and draft somebody at that position as well? Something we've talked about for a number of years that we've wanted a guy next to Kenny Clark. I think this year, Dean Lowry and also while he was here, Kingsley Kiki certainly were uh, more than serviceable. They were they were good. Uh, but, you know, Dean Lowry has not been to that level every year that he's been here. Uh, this year was definitely kind of an anomaly for him. Kingsley Kiki no longer with the team. Do you need to add somebody in the draft? Or can you go out and try and grab some free agency guys? Uh, with what money? No, no, no. We're not talking big name free agents. We're talking, uh, you know, Tyler Lancaster level guys. Right. Or do, or do you need to invest draft capital at the position? Well, look. In 2022, is that a priority, investing draft picks at the position? Uh, uh, it, define draft picks. Because will the Packers go spend, you know, one or two day three draft picks on an interior lineman? Probably. But, fifth round or earlier. What was that? Fifth round or earlier. Yeah, but will they spend a number one or number two or even number three, you know, third round pick on interior defensive line? They tend not to. I think, you know, Kiki was what, third round or later? Kingsley Kiki was a fifth round Fifth pick. round, right. Now, Kenny Clark was a first rounder. Kenny Clark is the last time they invested uh, highly in an interior well, Line. yeah, but you but you have so many different. I mean, you got uh, twenty two guys out on the field, uh, uh, you know, offensively, defensively. You you only have so many uh, first and second round picks to go around. Kenny Clark was only back in what twenty sixteen. Yes, it's not not that long ago. No, just just when you look at how many other positions. I mean, because especially if you if you are considering the whole defensive line, Rashawn Gary was just three years ago. Yeah, but so. They, uh, I count him more as an outside linebacker, but yeah, okay. Uh, you know, so what's your answer to the question? Do you, do you invest a fifth or earlier? Yes, fifth round or earlier draft pick fifth this round year. Or earlier, into yes, line? but I don't think it'll be. It'll either be a third, fourth, or a fifth. I don't think you're talking on first or a second. Fourth and fifth definitely fit with what the Packers have been taking swings with recently, right? Um. I, to me, part of the question is if you're retaining Dean Lowry, because you don't have Kingsley Kiki anymore. If you if you don't keep Dean Lowry, I think you are obligated to go no later than the third round for a uh, interior guy next to Kenny. Well, to me, the ideal solution, because Dean Lowry right now has a cap hit of a little over eight million dollars, is you try to either extend him or. Uh, you know, add some void years and just lower that cap hit to keep Dean Lowry for another year or two. Yep. Well, I mean, that's that's certainly one of the few options that they are going to be considering. Uh, you there is, there is TJ Slayton. Four million. Here's the problem. So Dean Lowry is our one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 11th highest paid player on the team. You only got 10 guys ahead of him that you could be freeing up some money by reworking their contracts. When you're looking at 70 million, 
I, I just think Dean Lowry is clearly on that list. And the question is, do you take the four mil and you're still paying out almost $4 million in dead cap? Correct. Which is why, to me, if you can extend him or even just add some void years, because I think you're keeping him. So so you're, you're looking at Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and then TJ Slayton as the new Kingsley Kiki. But the problem is neither Dean Lowry nor TJ Slayton is that Kingsley Kiki type player. Correct. Uh, so you do have the new issue of there is a role that's missing on your defensive line. Yeah, there there is a role that's missing, and it's a tough role to fill because the thing you were looking for from Kingsley Kiki is someone who could penetrate and get pressure on the quarterback in addition to Kenny Clark, who really is the only consistent you know, inside pass rusher that this team has had over the last few years. So, you know, Dean Lowry had, had his best season in a while this year, but I still don't view him as someone who's going to consistently pressure the quarterback. No, I, I would agree with that. I think the, you know, the nice thing is that Dean is not really up there in age yet. So I think that you can add some years to him. He, he's a guy who stays healthy. He plays a lot of snaps for us. He's a pretty dependable guy. I think there's in my mind, there's almost no question he's sticking around. And that kind of leads into your, the, edge discussion here because if you have a little bit of stability on the interior to where you still feel like you can lean on them a bit it helps with your decisions at edge because I I think there's basically no doubt in my mind and you can tell me if you disagree with this I don't think there's any chance that Zadarius Smith is back this year uh very looking Looking at how they restructured his contract last year, he's pretty much unkeepable at this point, unless you were to sign him to a pretty substantially long-term contract. And, you know, the guy missed the entire 2021 season with injury. He struggled with injuries uh, pretty much all of 2020 as well, even though he was able to play basically the entire year. Uh, You know, and, and he made basically a goodbye post to green Bay on social media already. I think he knows he's gone. Is there any part of you that thinks he's sticking around? Uh, Yeah. I mean, he's also, you know, what is he 30 now? Yeah. He's, he's getting up there. He he is getting up there. So to me, the odds of him coming back, Zadarius Smith, who I really like as a football player, I don't see him as the kind of guy who'd be willing to take a substantial pay cut to stay. We're all for a big hometown discount. Now, I could be wrong, but he just doesn't come across that way in my mind. Uh, You know, this is probably, if he is let go by the Packers, his last chance to sign a multi-year, you know, pretty substantial contract. And the back injury is certainly going to make it tougher for him to to do that. Maybe, maybe he'd sign a one-year, prove-it kind of a deal and bet on himself, but to me, that's but maybe that, a 10% chance of that happening. Well, but, and, and even if that is how it would work, he would, I mean, you'd have to cut him and re-sign him to the Packers for that. It's, it's or, just, or add, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the whole thing would be massively insulting to Zedarius of like, hey, listen, you need us so much that, that we think you'll come back for a, uh, you know, a peanuts deal, pro- one year, prove it. Well, it, even though you've been here with us for three it years, it would have to be almost that he hits the market and the market isn't there. And then he comes back. I, I think there's enough teams out there that are hungry for some edge rushers. I think that, Oh, absolutely. Prob- probably what you're looking at for Zedarius is that he might find a lack of, uh, big contracts with a lot of guarantees. Uh, he might get some offers for some, uh, uh, contracts that uh require that he plays a, a certain number of snaps uh you know and, and and the team has the option to get out of the contract if he's not healthy that kind of thing but Preston Smith I I think we should acknowledge that a year ago we both were on this podcast basically guaranteeing that Preston was not going to be back and he came back had uh the best year that he has ever had in his career ever had with the Packers one of the best pass rushing seasons 
um, for a, an outside linebacker that the Packers have ever had. I think I think the uh, PFF, it's like the third best of all time, uh, which is pretty crazy. But you recall when Gutekunds brought Preston back, he made an interesting observation that was good news at the time and is no longer good news. Goody said, if you look at Preston's career, he kind of swings every other year. He has a good year, bad year, good year, bad year. Mm -hmm. And I think that you and I looked at that and said, so what? That's a complete coincidence. It doesn't mean anything. And then he went on to have the best year of his career. Well, you just you can't (laughs) you can't just breeze by that and go, oh, because he was good last year, he'll be good this year, too. When the GM who brought him back cited that as one of the big reasons why he thought he'd be good last year. Uh, and, and, and Preston Smith was back in 2021 because he agreed to come back and take take a pay cut uh, with a bunch of incentives. that He could earn a lot of that money back. He earned a good portion of it back. It was a prove it deal. He proved it. Mm-hmm. Now he counts 19 almost 19 three quarter million dollars against the cap for 2022. If you cut him, you got to eat seven and a quarter million dollars dead cap. You free up 12 and a half. I really don't want to cut Preston Smith, but when you're trying to dig your way out of 70 million, it's uh, saying I don't want to free up 12 and a half because I like the guy is not really an option that you can just throw away. Uh, you can give him an extension, keep him around for a few years. Right. Preston is a little bit younger than Zedarius, isn't he? So same age, same age. I don't know. I mean, here you know, here's the crazy thing. If if a year ago you asked a Packer fan who would you rather bet on long term, sign him to a long term deal, Zedarius or Preston? Now you recall, I was very vocal last year saying we needed to move on from Zedarius. And nobody liked that idea back then. Uh, but I, I even more so wanted to move on from Preston. And moving on from Preston clearly was not the right answer. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't know what you do here. Do you? I, to me, it just feels like the smart answer is to move on from him. But the Packers seem to still feel they are in win now mode if Aaron Rodgers comes back. Yes. So if you're going to get rid of both Smith brothers, no. You just got you at that point you only have Rashawn and presumably a first round edge rusher cuz you would have to get somebody at that point. You'd have to go get a rookie and hope that they start contributing right away. Now, the other guy that you can bring back is Whitney Merciless. That's an option as well would be a little bit cheaper than than Preston and Zedarius. Yeah, but I don't think at this stage in his career, to me, Whitley, uh, Whitney Merciless is the perfect guy to be on the field for 35, 40% of snaps. In you, would not, you would not make him your number two edge rusher? No, he's a number three edge rusher at this point. You know, to me, you put him out there in obvious passing situations. You know, he's the kind of guy he's 32 right now. Um, I'm more inclined to say that, you know, he's your third guy or your fourth guy, but if he's your number two guy, that's trouble. And look, he got hurt last year. He's getting up there in age. I would be surprised if he's healthy over 17 games. Uh, And, and that leaves you really thin at edge. You have to keep one of the Smiths. You have to make a choice. I think, To me, you can put some void years on the back end of Preston Smith's deal or sign him to a new deal or an extension, whatever you want to say. You part ways with Zadarius. To me, the back injury is one of those things that never fully goes away, only gets worse. It's usually degenerative. Uh, I hate to lose Zadarius. I really like him as a player. But to me, you, you find enough money to... Keep one of the Smith brothers, lower the cap hit a little by adding some void years or or extending whichever one you choose to keep. And you you can bring back Merciless uh, at a much more reasonable rate than either of the Smiths. 
You know, when you were starting off with with your plan, I was thinking that we were on totally different pages, but you ended up pretty similar to what I would do. I think both Merciless and Preston, I think are guys that you can feel com- comfortable uh, giving him a one to two year deal. Preston Smith is in the final year of his contract. You give him a, a couple a couple extra years, give him, say, two more years. Uh, with a few void years tacked on the end. So it's it's a, a five-year deal that's really a two-year deal. Right. Give him, uh, let's see, fifth. I don't want to do 15. Not quite 15, but let's say, like, see if he would play for, I don't know, 13 or so per mm-hmm. year. Give that to him over each of the next two years. Tack on those void years at the end. You spread it out. You can lower his cap hit a bit and bring back merciless. The, the other, uh, the other thing though, I I, th- I think you do have to invest another draft pick here because oh, yeah. neither Preston nor merciless is in your long-term plans at all. And you need a number two guy next to Rashawn. And again, uh, to me, I, I, th- I think edge is probably my number one priority this year in the draft. It's either edge or wide receiver. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, you can't have enough edge rushers, but keep in mind, very few edge rushers for every Bosa brother who shines as a rookie, there's 30 guys who struggle as rookies and then can yeah, develop true. into very good players. That's true, but that's that's why we have Merciless here and then and, uh, and potentially Preston. Right, exactly. So, you know, you have a guy who can get a few reps as a rookie and learn. And, and if, and believe me, if he surprises everybody and knocks their socks off, let him play. But odds are he spends his rookie year learning and much like Rashawn Gary, you know, by his second year, he was a little better by his third year. He was pretty darn good. So to me, you know, by then Preston Smith is probably no longer there. Merciless is probably only there one more year. And you you bring in the guys you need to bring in and, and, and have them acclimate into the league and, and, and voila. Now, looking at your inside linebackers, obviously the, the two big names here, Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes. I am going to give you my opinion on this. I think you're going to disagree, and that's fine. I think most of our listeners are going to agree with you if you disagree with me. I am not... Married to the idea that I have to keep Devondre Campbell as good as he was. And I think that he is a talented football player. But you look at at the fact that Goody was able to find Devondre and Joe Barry, who is a linebackers coach, was able to get good production out of Campbell. I think the fact that he made all pro means he's probably going to get some offers around the league that the Packers should not be trying to match given their financial situation. Now, I, I recognize that there's a lot of people who are saying, listen, you're the green Bay Packers. You never have good inside linebackers. Who are you to suddenly say, well, you know, we had one fantastic season out of an inside linebacker, but let's go out and try and find somebody else who can do it as well. I just, Looking at what he's probably going to get offered and the money that the Packers have, I just think that unless he is willing to come back for similar money to what he got this year, I just don't, I, despite the fact that, yes, I think we would take a step back defensively on the field without him, and it would be difficult to strike gold a second time. Uh, I, I just think it is, if you're looking at where you can get value on the team for that money. They, you know, an underrated little tidbit of information this year is that Chris Barnes had just about the same season that Devondre Campbell did. They both played at about the same level. I just think that it says to me that the system is a little bit more important than the specific guy. So to me, bringing back Campbell is all about how much he wants. And I'm not going to 
empty the piggy bank for him if he's getting big time offers from other teams and wants us to match it. That's just where I'm at. And I'm not expecting you to agree with me, Gil. Well, I I disagree with you on some points, but I agree on others. I I don't think Chris Barnes, as much as I like Chris Barnes, was in the same league as Devondre Campbell performance-wise, if only because of the number of snaps on defense that they took. Uh, Barnes was on the field for roughly a little more than half of the plays, and Campbell was on the field for more than 90% of the plays. So there's a big difference in the role that they're being asked to play. And I think Campbell's presence made Barnes better. As far as keeping Campbell, I disagree with you in the sense that I think they should do everything they can to keep him because you found lightning in a bottle. You found a guy for two and a half million dollars who played like a $10 million a year player. And that doesn't happen very often in free agency. I agree with you from the standpoint of this. He's probably going to go out and get a better offer from another team after his all pro selection. And I don't think the Packers should match that offer at all costs. I want Devondre Campbell back to me. He and Rasul Douglas are the two, you know, guys who are unrestricted free agents who I really would like to see stay but you can't break the ba- the bank for either one of them. Uh, and I've accepted the fact that it is likely that Devondre Campbell will get more money somewhere else. So Devondre Campbell is making an average, sorry, Fred Warner is who I was trying to talk about. Fred Warner for the 49ers, one of the premier linebackers in the league, is averaging about 20 million bucks a year which is just crazy to me for an inside linebacker. Yes. We're not thinking Devondre is going to make that much money, but he made 2 million bucks in 2021. Uh, I I think that your point about him playing like a $10 million linebacker is probably accurate. I think that he's going to get offers for about that much. And I am not willing to spend $10 million at the inside linebacker position for one guy in a year when we don't have the money. If, if you're looking and by the way, uh, actually over the cap has a little estimator tool. They estimate, they said that the Packers got $15 million worth of value out of him in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, which <laughs> a little quick math tells you, Brian Gutekunst just created $13 million of value there so that's great but uh how much are you willing to offer devondre i mean it, it, would is he going to accept five million i don't i don't if he's getting offers for 10 he's clearly not going to accept five but, no i would go but, seven but how and much a half. are you gonna i would go seven and a half million maybe eight tops if you can sign them to a multi-year deal that you know gives you a little cap relief Yeah, I mean, the the issue there is that you're going from needing to create $7.3 million in cap space to now 77.8 because Campbell's not under contract at all with the Packers right now. He's right. But but then you have to replace him some way anyway. So you have to spend money. You'll spend a little less to bring in another, you know, three million dollar guy, but you won't get the same production out of him, most likely. So the difference is maybe four or five million rather than eight million. But yeah. Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, Chris Barnes is going to be here for another year. Um, uh, I think he's an exclusive rights free agent that you have to re-sign, but that's that's not going to be an issue. Uh, I think if you have those two guys, you feel pretty much set at linebacker. I don't think that you feel like you have to retain Oren Burks or Ty Summers. I think that uh, you can find comparable players to those two guys for uh, dirt cheap anywhere. So I, I think I think whether they want to come back or not, if, if they're asking for a raise to come back, I'm not giving it. No, those uh, two guys are special teams players and backups. They're, they're replacement level. Absolutely. They're replacement level. Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell is, is a duo that you feel solid about. Uh, to me, I, I I would feel I would not feel 
comfortable with that seven and a half million figure. But I guess you do have to also look at it as let's say that you're planning on paying two to three million bucks for a guy off the street if you were to replace him. Well, let's say that it doesn't work out and the whole year you are being hurt at the linebacker position. Would you then in hindsight say eh, an extra five million could have fixed the linebacker spot? Yes. Could we have found that somewhere else? It, uh, it would be deja vu all over yeah. again for this team. So, yes. Campbell's probably coming back. We know how the Packers feel about him. He did just win all pro. I, I mean, no, no question. I'd like to have him back. I, it just to me is going to come down to what offers he's getting on the open market. And maybe the fact that he seems like such a flash in the pan uh, success here is something that you have to consider too, for, for two reasons. One teams might not go ahead and, uh, take that big swing on him since he has been around for a while and only had one good year. But if they're not going to take a swing on him, then maybe the Packers shouldn't be paying him seven and a half million either, because I, I, I think that other teams, if they were hesitant to pay him big money would be uh, well within reason to do so. He he's been around for quite a while, had one good year, Uh do you feel a, a, a confidence that being in the same system again with Joe Barry again, uh, that he will still find similar success? I think you do. I think he probably is more valuable to the Packers than he is to anybody else because they've seen that he works in their system. Yep. Uh, but again, <laughs> there are other teams who are going to be desperate for linebacker help who have a lot more money to burn. It only takes one team to make yep. him that big offer that you're not going to match. That's that's the thing. There's 31 other teams out there, and if one team is willing to take that chance and make him that 10, 12, whatever million-dollar offer, that's the one that you got to at least come close to matching if you want to retain him. So, final tally. We think that Dean Lowry will be back. Uh, I guess we didn't make a, a, a prediction about Tyler Lancaster. We think Tyler is back. Uh, only at a minimal, you know, yes, but at a veteran minimum deal, if he's willing to take that. Yeah. Lancaster, not currently under contract with the Packers. So they'd have to sign him to a new deal. I, I would guess that he probably walks in free agency. I think the Packers really need to make, uh, some additions at interior defensive line, but that's something I've said every year for the last three years. And outside of bringing in, uh, TJ Slayton in the draft last year, and he was a fifth round pick. Uh, they haven't done so. So uh, my feelings on uh, interior defensive line are not something that the Packers ever seem to share <laughs> uh, at edge rusher where we both thinks that Darius is definitely gone. Seems like there's a decent chance Preston gets uh, one or two years tacked on to his current uh, one year that he has left on his contract, spread out some of that cap hit, lower his cap hit for 2022. And then you're just concerned that maybe he takes a step back in 2022, uh, as he has done in every other uh, even numbered year. And that would be disappointing, but maybe Joe Barry uh, flips that trend. And then we are thinking Devondre is back. So, so far, we have not freed up much money on the defense, and that is an issue <laughs> as uh, as joint GM um, advisors, you and I. Uh, we need to uh, start looking for other ways to free up some money. Obviously, a Kenny Clark restructure is coming. You can free up some um, money from his contract. He counts for almost $21 million <coughs> against the cap. You, you can free up a decent chunk of that, and... Cutting him is not even something that uh, anybody thinks is no. on the table. Obviously, Kenny is one of those guys that you build around. So I think we're, we're going to leave the secondary for next week. We spent a lot of time on special teams. So tune in next week. Uh, we'll probably have some more crazy breaking news like we do every week. And Never a dull we'll, moment. <laughs> we'll talk about the secondary and maybe even get a chance to talk some offense. If we don't hear about uh, Aaron Rodgers by next week, maybe there's a chance that we put off offense for one more week just because everything hinges on what the heck you do with Rogers contract. So there's only so much that you can do on the entire team with the salary cap before you handle Rogers, but certainly with the offense. So that does it for us today. 
And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be right back with you next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers, at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at askmillhuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not